everybody. Hello. Welcome to the Macabre Podcast Universe. I am your host, Micah Macaw. I'm Jordan Macaw. We are married. And guess what? This is the podcast that exists to prove people wrong when they say... The sequels are never better than the originals. <laughs> <laughs> than the originals. Yeah. And uh, if you've been listening to us, or if you're new, welcome to the podcast. Um, we've been covering Batman. But there's so much Batman and DC uh, related to Batman that we had to go, okay, let's cover a chunk of Batman. So we covered the 80s and 90s of Batman. Now it's time to take a little break. Mm -hmm. But we we still had an appetite for superheroes. But what we wanted, we didn't want... We want something wholly... Uh, we wanted something wholly original. Yes, we did. And so we chose to cover M. Night Shyamalan's East Rail 177 trilogy. We're getting everything good. It's called the East Rail 177 trilogy? Yes, it is. I didn't know that. I thought, I actually, I don't think I knew, I think I just call it the Glass Trilo Trilogy. I think most people just call it the Unbreakable movies. Yeah. Or just, but that is like the, um, that's the name of the trilogy, which very is cool, very cool. Because that starts it all. Yeah, and um, I just in case someone has not seen the other movies and would like a chance I think I will refrain from kind of doing the spoilers of future movies for the most part until we okay. get there. Guys, Just if, if you're not familiar with Shyamalan, he's the king of twists. So if you haven't seen, I guess, yeah, if you haven't seen Split or even Glass, you have to watch them. Yes, you do. Um, and and so so this is, this is what happened with him, M. Night. Mm -hmm. He makes this movie called Praying With Anger. And he makes it for little to no money. It's never seen a full, like, wide release. Then he makes, um, he makes, uh, something. Oh my goodness, I'm totally forgetting what it's called. Uh, the Sixth Sense. <laughs> no, it's just funny no, because most people th th think of him as, oh, he's this guy who his first movie was The Sixth Sense and his second yeah. movie was Unbreakable. Yeah. But that's not the case. So he makes Praying with Anger. Then um, six years later, he makes Wide Awake, okay. which is um, has Rosie O'Donnell in it. And oh, that, cool. That kind of gets him a bit of a start. But then he comes out with The Sixth Sense. And if you know anything about The Sixth Sense, I mean, that movie made a ton of money. I'm going to look up how well, much it made. as you're looking it up, we recently listened to a very interesting episode of 99% uh, Invisible. I think that's the name of the podcast. Okay. Um, and they are kind of like stuff you should know in a way, uh, in terms of like taking a a topic that might not be super commonly known, or you're familiar with it, but you find out you're not. Mm -hmm. And they covered uh, basically the history of theaters, film theaters, especially in the, what was it, the 90s, early 2000s? Well, no, it would be the 90s when AMC really got on the map. The company AMC yeah. created stadium seat theaters, which kind of took, it did take the U.S. by storm, and I think by now the world, in terms of how what a theater experience is. Mm -hmm. And the, one, the probably the most interesting thing to me out of that episode was them talking about what movies came out during that time. Yeah, because like, 99 is a year in movies that people often argue is the greatest year for movies ever. Yeah, and one of those movies was The Sixth Sense, and part of and they also reference um, Quentin Tarantino and someone else I couldn't remember that's really big movies. Yeah. That's just like, you know, you had these really ambitious filmmakers, 
And maybe if this theater boom didn't happen, maybe it would have taken them longer to become so big. But because of it was kind of just like all the perfect ingredients for people like Spike Jones, Quentin Tarantino, Shyamalan. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's, yeah. So you had like being John Malkovich, yeah. Star Wars Episode One, um, The Matrix. Yes. Um, is that the year Pulp... F- no, not Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction's like 92, I think. Yeah. Or 94. Uh, Man on the Moon, Sleepy Hollow. Uh, not that those two are necessarily like the height of cinema, but I mean, that they are very it's popular more, movies. Theaters got bigger physically, therefore they were showing more movies, and movies like this... Well, not Unbreakable, but like, like The Sixth Sense was just seen by more people. And it's a crazy movie with a crazy twist. I mean, it's objectively right. good. We didn't need a the- like a big boom in theaters to like, it, it would have been discovered either way. But he became yeah. a household, like A-list director very quickly compared to how it is now or how it was before, right before that. Yeah. Which is super interesting to me because as we've talked about on this podcast before, Shyamalan has one of the most fascinating careers. He does. And I think we will let's let's just bring him up to Unbreakable and then the next episode we can take him to split. Sure. Um because I think there's I think we've actually covered it on this podcast, but we can definitely refresh yeah. it. It's just very interesting because, you know, he's seen he's this new guy kind of on the scene. And and six cents. So I, I looked it up, and it made. Um, well, actually, I lost the I lost the note I was looking up because I got made a lot of money. So so it made um, six hundred seventy two point eight million on a forty million dollar budget. That's crazy. So I mean, it's huge. So he goes to Walt Disney, mm-hmm. and he says, "I want to give you a first look deal." on my next picture. Mm -hmm. And so they, for a spec script, which is not a finished script, it's just like, from my understanding, it's, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's just like, here's my idea, here's some of the stuff that's going to happen. That's my understanding of it, yeah. So he does that, and Disney's like, okay, here's $5 million. And then they're like, we'll pay you $5 million to direct it. So right off the bat, he's like, good to go. Uh Um, And so they're going to release it under Touchstone. So this is technically under the Disney branch. Yes, he was a Disney person for a little bit. Yeah, he was. But he was under the like their adult entertainment. Yes, Um, yes. Not that kind of adult entertainment. No, no, no. Just movies for adults. Yeah. So um, (laughs) doesn't really change the meaning. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so he's he's getting ready to make this movie, and he has this idea about you know kind of reflecting upon comic books and what would it be like. He had this idea before Marvel movies people that's the thing so i watched this interview this like q a with him um in the year 2010 so it'd be 10 years after unbreakable yeah but before split or glass Uh uh-huh and it was it was very interesting because he said that when so when the movie came out it was not a hit oh okay and people were like we don't like this do you think it would have been a hit today if it came out so yes yes is that what they talk about the q a well that's one of the things he said yeah I think that this movie is like it's a perfect. It's like movie. twenty years ahead of its time. Absolutely, That's the kind of movie. Which it is. Oh, he's made a lot of movies that are feel very ahead of its time. I just got to say, I don't know if we've said this before on the podcast, but uh-huh. a year or two ago, you and I were like, "We is Shyamalan a good director? We need to figure it out because we know that he's made good movies, but that he went through a really, really terrible period right before Split, where like." 
Which we'll talk more about next week. Which we but, will, but where people were just like, no, he's a hack. Yep. He did After Earth. He's a hack. And then you find out how, the you find out what After Earth was. But so then you and I watched a lot of his movies. We still need to watch After Earth and Avatar. No wonder we're having trouble watching the the worst two movies yeah. he made. And the the two he made before Signs. Yes. I haven't seen those, but oh, well, yeah, those yeah, are the yeah. only four we haven't seen. Yeah. And so... But when we, you and I were watching it, we just we came to a pretty unanimous consensus that it's like, no, he is amazing. He's great. Yeah. He is one of the masters with the camera. Like, just watching this movie last night, I just he's like up there on one of my favorite directors. Absolutely. And and you know, there is this idea uh, when you're first getting into movies where it's sort of devastating when when a director you're getting into has any bad work because uh-huh. you want to think they can't do anything wrong. Uh huh. But it's just like any artist, you know. But that's what's so like. Like I think that's what makes me like him a lot too, because yeah. he does go through that period where people start calling him Spielberg, and that got in his head, and he got a yeah. huge head. And then he did some pretty bad stuff, like made bad movies. I mean, and it's like, no, 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 you can't do everything you want. You yeah. have to take out a second mortgage on your home to make <laughs> some movies. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. We'll talk about it more. But like the risk, it's kind of like Tim Burton the risk was taken away from him at, at a point in his career and there wasn't a lot, he didn't have a lot to lose besides yeah. his reputation, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but all of that to say, so he, he makes the sixth sense and it has this amazing twist. One, yeah. it, it's probably the most famous twist in a movie ever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and everyone loves it. Uh-huh. I have not met a person who doesn't love that movie. Mm-hmm. Like you just like it. Um, so he's getting ready to do this movie. And while, yes, there is a twist in this movie, it's not... It's not a Sixth Sense twist. No, it's not like, uh, it does change your viewing of the movie when you see it in the future, but it's not like Sixth Sense where, like, if you watch it again, it is a different experience. Yes. Than if you didn't know. Yes. But, um... So Disney was like, we want to market this as a psychological thriller. Oh, interesting. And he said, no, we need to market this as a superhero movie. Yeah. I get, I get the... They marketed yeah. it as a psychological thriller. Okay, okay. I, I get the temptation to market it that way. I do. And you can get those shots and stuff. Like, I could see how a trailer would be edited and look that way. And it's kind of a slow burn. It is. But, um, you know, so I think... People were going to the theater going, okay, what's the thing that's going to turn all this on its head? And when they get to the end and Elijah is like monologuing about being a supervillain, you're kind of like, oh, this isn't, this is not like the sixth sense. Uh huh. Cause it's not. Uh huh. Um, so the movie, it's still, I'll, I'll, I'll report on the numbers in a second. It's still like makes money. But I think when you put it up against Sixth Sense, everyone's like, oh, well, this is a big disappointment. Okay. But another thing to remember is that you had an X-Men movie come out this year. Okay. And, you know, you had, like, Blade before this, maybe a couple other superhero movies. But Spider-Man comes out in 2002. So superheroes are not the cultural norm. No. Which is kind of interesting because this movie is so much reflecting on what mythologies of superheroes are that i could see if you were not into comic books i could see someone watching this and just being like i don't really like i understand the story but i don't get it i think if marvel the the mcu wasn't a thing i don't know if i this movie would be as impactful for me but just to talk about the first time i saw it yeah well the, the first time i laid eyes on a part of the movie 
uh, as most listeners know, I think I have seen most movies on TV, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, it was on TV. And I think it was the, I remember it being the last shot of the movie with Elijah and David Dunn talking and the big reveal. And I asked my dad, what is this movie about? And he said, it's about superheroes. Like they're superheroes or something. And, but I'm watching and I'm like, it's not though. Cause at this point yeah. there have been Marvel movies and there's just, there's no fighting. There's no exploding. There's, it's just like very dramatic, but that, so from my, my memory, it's Elijah's doing his monologue and then David's realizing all those newspaper clippings. And I'm like, what is this? This yeah, is so yeah. cool. And then I finally watched the movie and it was just perfect. Yeah. Yeah, the first time I saw it, I got it from the library, and I, I actually knew it as a movie with a big twist, like on a list of movies that have big twists. And I watched it, and I think as far as twists go, I think I was slightly underwhelmed because of that kind of expectation. Yes. But I thought it was a really good movie. Yes. I, it was and just, the, it is a twist. It, it, is. it is a twist, but it's like I feel like it's wrong to to market it as a twist, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. So even, even putting it on lists of like tw- movies with a crazy twist ending – it is a crazy twist ending, but I think it's a little better to just experience it. And so I watched it, loved it, and then, well, what? what I, there's so much I want to talk about with the next two movies. I know. But I want to hold off because this is our series right now. Yeah. Um, if you haven't even seen this one and you were aware of Split, this is already a spoiler. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's the split's been out since 2016. So it's your bad at this point. Um, It's just, I I bet that people who didn't see Split were just like, and hadn't seen any of them or whatever, uh, were just like, how is this movie 20 years later supposed (laughs) to connect to this movie? It's so funny because I just remember seeing Glass and talking to some people at at the Rogue Air Park where I Uh worked. And they saw Glass, and they were like, I don't like it at all. Like, that was a stupid movie. And I was like, have you seen Unbreakable? And they're like, no. <laughs> oh, go, my gosh. Well, well, I get it, though, but... Yeah, it's. Yeah. I do get that you have to do homework, and sometimes I don't like that about movies, but... Folks, we're going to get into it. Glass yeah, is a masterpiece. Because of Marvel, for for your homework to only be one movie, that's not really homework. That's a, <laughs> right, right. That's a bonus for you. I mean, how do you get to the end of Split? And you obviously didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. And then you thought, oh, maybe I guess it's connected to this thing. And then you just don't watch it. Yeah. What? Yeah. But like with WandaVision coming out and a lot of people have Disney plus a lot of people who haven't even seen most of the Marvel movies. That's homework. Cause yeah, they're watching watch that show and are Avenger like, movies. I like this, but who are these people? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like you have to minimum watch four Avengers movies, yes. but if you really want to understand it, you have to watch like three or four more yes. beyond that. Yeah. Which isn't necessarily bad. I mean, I feel like they've earned that right to do that. Yeah. No, I'm not complaining about it. The, the thing I always say when, when people are interested in Marvel and I really like something that's coming out is I'm like, you can dive in and I would encourage you to do it, but if you don't want to, it's kind of like you either do it or you don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Although I, I it's feel like a New Year's resolution at this point for people. <laughs> well, and it's kind of like, I mean, if we're twenty movies in, and you've, and and the last or the second to last movie that came out made the most money any movie's ever made, you're probably into it already. Yeah. So there's no sense in like trying to explain to you what you need to do unless yeah. you just don't care. Um, 
But let's talk about this some more. So the music is by James Newton Howard. Mm Mm-hmm. And we've talked about him before, yeah. but um, most recently we went and saw Raya and the Last Dragon. Yeah, and um, the score to that movie was so good. Yeah, I was really happy with that, and and the whole movie, I'm just like, who in the world did this score? Just kind of jamming in my seat, mm-hmm. and then sure enough, it was it was Howard, James Newton Howard, that is. And then the cinematographer is someone we've talked about before, and um, we've talked about him for two movies. His name is Eduardo Serra, and he did the two Deathly Hallow movies, Deathly Hallows, Harry oh, Potter. okay. And those so, movies look great. Yeah, those are probably maybe my favorite looking of the yeah. movies. I mean, Deathly Hallows 1 is my favorite of the Harry Potter. Yeah. So, um, and he really captures They do look the, the best, yeah. Um, but, oh my gosh, can you even, how do you even have a discussion about the cinematography in this movie? Perfect. It, in the in the interview I was or the Q and A I was watching, he was saying how how kind of insane because he had, he was watching the movie with the with the audience and then they did a Q and A ten years later you know and it was in Philadelphia of course and well, of um, course the only city that exists for them <laughs> um, and he he said you know it is kind of crazy because you have these scenes and shots like like there's a shot when. Bruce Willis meets Sam Jackson and mm-hmm. it's just through a window and mm-hmm. they're talking. And he's like, that's kind of a crazy thing to have two stars as big as Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis and you don't even have close-ups. Yeah. And, and he's saying, we only shot that. We didn't shoot extra coverage. We sh- like this movie is like what we shot. There are 15 minutes of deleted scenes, which will come into play a little bit later on uh-huh. this on this series yeah. we're covering. But but of of some of the deleted scenes that have been repurposed, they're not other angles of same shots. No, they're some, like some of them new are scenes. Yeah, yeah, scenes that just weren't used. Um so it's I mean it's just uh, it's so good. Um and I think for the most part now people are like, "Oh, this is a great movie." Uh-huh. You know, I, yeah. and, well, and I yeah, think with it helps the hindsight, that we have all of these superhero movies yeah. so this movie feels like a commentary on those movies even though none of them had been made yet. i know how crazy is that um so then let's say this movie came out november 21st in the year 2000 um and it had a budget of 75 million and domestically it only made 95 so it didn't do Damn. well here and then worldwide it made 248 yeah not even close to the six cents no, but I, in my head, I'm like, that's still pretty decent. It is, but I, obviously there was a lot of expectation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so r- this is funny because this deta- we're, we've covered enough movies now that we have all these connections. So Julianne Moore was going to star in this in the role of Robin, right? Uh-huh. But she dropped out so she could be Clarice in Hannibal. Wow. Hmm. And I could see her in this oh, I movie, could, but yeah, I, I really like Robin Wright's performance. Yeah. Who is billed as Robin Wright Penn. Yeah. Um, which I forgot slash maybe I didn't know that she had taken Sean Penn's last name when they were married. Mm-hmm. That's always interesting when an actress actually mm-hmm. takes the actor's last name. I know. Um, let's see. So then this is the the last I have. After the film's release... There were rumors of sequels on fan sites, and like it'd be brought up in interviews. And in 2000, Willis said, 
he he was hoping there'd be an unbreakable trilogy. So obviously, he's, well, he he said trilogy. He's yeah. like, I'll be, I'm signed up for two more. Well, I think that must be like okay. That's meaning him and M Night are talking about yeah. stuff probably. Yeah. And then uh, in in December of 2000, uh, Shyamalan uh, he said, no, there's not going to be other movies. But then in August of 2001. He, he said um, because of the DVD sales, he had approached Touchstone about a sequel, and they were like, no, your movie didn't make enough money for a sequel. And then in 2008, um, Shyamalan and uh, Samuel L. Jackson said that they were kind of discussing a sequel, but with the disappointing box office, they just weren't really sure. Mm-hmm. And then in 2010, Willis said that Knight was still thinking about doing the fight movie between me and Sam that we were going to do and stated that as long as Jackson was able to participate, he would be up for it. So, uh, very interesting. Yes. Setting, yes. setting the stage. And, uh-huh. and I think people who were fans of this movie really wanted a sequel for a long time. Yeah. Um, so this has always been kind of one of those, I think this kind of goes in the category of you just go like, Man, if only they could have ever done that movie. I just would have liked to have seen that. Um, and and especially because when M. Night first wrote this, I, I he wanted to do a traditional, like, hero gets power, hero has troubles, hero succeeds. And then as he was writing it, he was like, okay, this m- whole movie is just one act of a comic There's, book. He probably was just writing it was like, there's too much to explore. Because yeah. he, he made David Dunn's, like, just family life character, what all of it, just way too fascinating. He did. He, he made he him did. a real person. Yeah. So I think he made Elijah a real person too. Everybody's real. So, so much time was spent. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's what I have on the movie. Okay. We have not covered Bruce Willis. I don't know what we could have covered him in. Um, well, we haven't watched, I haven't covered Die Hard yet. And yeah, maybe we should. Uh, so he's John McClane, obviously. He's also in The Sixth Sense, he's in Pulp Fiction. Uh, Looper. I mean, it's Bruce Willis. Yeah. Full stop. Um, and then Robin Wright, uh, Forrest Gump, uh, The Princess Bride. Um, she's in the Zack Snyder Justice League. Is? I guess. Oh, man. Sorry. I think she's in Wonder Woman. I know. She's I, in I, Wonder Woman oh, 84. Oh, yeah, she or, is. Okay, but also House of Cards. She's in Blade Runner 2049. I mean, I think a lot of people still would recognize her from The Princess Bride. Yeah. But she's she's in so much stuff. She's great. She's always amazing. Yeah, she is. And then Spencer Treat Clark plays the son, Jacob. Jacob. Joseph. Joseph. <laughs> Joseph. Um, he's an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Mystic River, Gladiator, um, Criminal Minds, Do No Harm. Looks like he's just been in a lot of TV. Like yeah. a lot of his career has been more TV than movies. Um, yeah. He's he's done a lot. And then Charlene, Charlene or Charlene uh, Woodard plays Elijah's mother. Yeah. She is in The Crucible, Hair, Prodigal Son. Let's see. Sneaky Pete, Blacklist, a lot. Just all the TV shows, literally all of them. Bones, Law and Order, Medium, ER. That's well, literally all of them. She she's so nuts. Uh, again, I I don't want to get too much into Glass, but it is crazy when you watch Glass because I think your brain just 
forgets. Well, I'll speak for myself. My brain forgets that she's not an old woman and unbreakable, but they age her up at the end of the movie. Sam Jackson's older than her. Yeah. By years. Yeah. And so, so then you're watching Glass and you're like, how'd they get an actress to look exactly like her? And it's like, oh, now she's the age that she would be in this movie. Uh-huh. What? Uh-huh. But I mean, yeah, we can't get into that yet. But That's pretty much it, though. It's a pretty small cast. I mean, of course, there are other people in it, but it's a pretty small cast. It is, yeah, and it's it's got three actors from uh, House of Cards. House of Cards in it. the The guy with the gun in the camo, he's in House of Cards, and then the doctor after the train accident uh, is in House of Cards. And Robin Wright. And Robin Wright, of course, yeah. of course, goes without saying. Um, so this movie, it's it's like. Here's another thing for for our podcast listeners. When we first discussed this podcast and we were kind of going, what do we want to do? This was one of the series that we were most excited to cover because Mm -hmm. I think I think Glass came out. We'd been doing this podcast for a little bit, but we already knew they were making it. So we were like, oh, it'd be so cool to cover unbreakable once that movie comes out Mm -hmm. so this is kind of like a moment for jordan and i to Mm -hmm. finally talk about this movie that we love yeah which i will say is my favorite m9 movie yeah i think i love it so much um so the movie starts and in the first shot of the movie we it's so oh (laughs) well first of all this movie has like the longest shots in the world. Yeah. It's like you're watching There Will Be Blood or something in a yeah. city because the, the camera just sits there and it pans back and forth for conversations without cutting. I mean, you're like 10 minutes into the movie and there's been like f- 10 shots, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so insane. Yeah. So the movie starts and it says it's a department store in, I think, the well, 60s. Well, it first has a lot of facts about comic books. Oh, yeah. Which I, it's cool. Yeah. Just about... Uh, how many comic books are sold, basically proving how popular they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, then we're in a department store in the 50s, I believe, in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the, this proves M. Night as a master of suspense. Yeah. But a lot, so this, a lot of the scene is shot like through reflection. We're it, seeing a, the reflection. There's a mirror. And so there, there's this. So the, uh, Elijah's mom gives birth to Elijah, uh-huh. Mr. Glass, Samuel Jackson, and a doctor comes in. And whenever the doctor speaks, the camera looks at him. But whenever she speaks, or we're look, or no, whenever she, the mother speaks, the camera looks at her. But then when it's the doctor, it'll pan up, and then you're seeing him through the mirror. Uh-huh. Now remember, his name is Mr. Glass. Uh-huh. And the theme of the series, like all of the movie covers, have glass on them. Yes. And they all have something to do with breaking. Mm-hmm. It's like split personality, glass, unbreakable. unbreakable. Yeah. So, which for the art, we need to just do our logo, but with like cracks through yeah. it. That would be cool. Um, but I think I cut you off. So. It, yeah. So by master suspense. So yeah, she she had just given birth and there was a doctor that happened to be in the department store. So he's attending to her while an ambulance is coming. Mm-hmm. And he takes the baby to look at and the baby's crying a lot. And it's just all just the scary stuff is just told through dialogue and facial expression. Not, we're not actually seeing anything. And that's so much scarier than if they had shown it. Cause the, the mom is asking, should he be crying like that? And then the doctor is looking at him and he like loses expression. 
His acting, get out oh, of here. Incredible. Get out of here. And he he's asking her, like, did the baby fall? Did someone drop the baby? Did something happen like, to the baby when it was no, born? what are you talking about? And the mom is just getting more confused and more worried. And he is telling her, like, something is wrong with your baby. Like, when you were pregnant, something was wrong. Because its arms and legs are broken. And she just starts crying. Ugh. Oh, I get chills just, th- just, like, talking about it and remembering it. It is so chilling. Okay, so, and 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 that's this leads into a thing. So, uh, as as M Night was coming up, he was always likened to the next Spielberg because I think you know we we cite things as like th- this director kind of ruled this decade or whatever. Yeah. So who's gonna be the next Spielberg? That's always the thing. And I know that M Night is very inspired by Spielberg and Lucas and stuff like that, but I just see that he is such a like. I don't know if proto is the right, right word, but he is just like a the son of Alfred Hitchcock in my brain. Oh, yeah. Like his movies are so Hitchcockian and especially Split. Yeah. Um, But th- this movie, like the the way and throughout his whole career, the way he just will will make things unsettling for you or scary. And when you actually watch the scene, I always remember the beginning of this movie as you see the baby. I always remember seeing it. Yeah. You don't see the baby. Yeah. That's how much of a picture he creates without you even seeing the child. It's the use of sound and the use of the camera and the acting to where every time I go, oh yeah, this shot's really rough. And That's what I always think. And the, it's great with with such long shots because when you have cuts, it's almost as if your your brain is refocusing on something when it, when there's a new shot. Uh-huh. And because the, there's a lot of just long shots, you're just, it's like you're there. It really does feel like you're there. And I think that's a big reason for the use of long shots is it feels real. And it's like he's he is making a comic book come to life. That being yeah. said, a lot of the shots look like comic book panels, though. Yeah, there's there's a device where things are framed yeah. as if you were looking at a page, and this is one of the panels. Yes. So it'll be a hallway, or even like the train scene that we're going to talk about or next. When he, when they were talking at the football stadium, and they were sh- ba- perfectly framed in bars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like, get out of here. It's ridiculous. It's definitely like... I would uh, put it like probably in my top 10 personal like favorite looking movies. Oh yeah. I mean, this is he is such an artistic director for being so mainstream. Even I with know. split, even I with know. newer stuff. I know. And you just got to give it to him. He's trying things still. Like the what was the movie we watched I didn't like very much? The The, the fa- Visit. The Visit. Not a great movie. Yeah, I but didn't like it. But he's trying something. But it's it was still interesting. I mean, it's not like a write-off kind of movie. No, I mean like I would don't have interest in watching it ever again, no. but like it you saw that he was just trying something. Yeah. Instead of just making a run-of-the-mill thriller, which is funny because he is such a thriller director. Yeah. But even still all of his movies are so different. I mean, they do feel like Shyamalan. Mhm. But it's just, his voice is clear, even though he can do so many different things, if that makes sense. Yeah. So let's get past the first scene, probably. Well, can I say one more thing? Because I really don't want to forget, just about, like, the ideology of the movie. Okay. Um, So in in the Q&A, he said that he actually was more of a TV guy than a comic book guy, so he would watch, like, cheesy TV. Mm -hmm. But what I really like about this movie, as opposed to some movies that comment on comic books, um, is... It does come from a place of love, clearly. And there's still, like, points to be made, and there's interesting stuff to explore, but it is not 
a director or a screenwriter being like, I hate this thing and I want to like, just for the sake of making it crazy or weird, I'm, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to take this character maybe, for example, that you love and make it like really gross just or say weird. Joker. I'm, I'm not saying Joker, but th- there are uh, movies like that where it's, th- there's like, um, you can he- feel how the director behind the camera doesn't like the material they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And this is like, well, he clearly loves comic books and heroes, and he still made like a prestigious movie, mm-hmm. quote unquote, mm-hmm. about s- superheroes. Yeah. So it's just very cool. Yeah. And I, I, I just think that's an important thing to mention yeah. about the movie. But next scene. <laughs> so after that, we are on the train. We're on the train. And this is, again, a really long shot. It's Well, it does start with him, like a child sitting in front of him is looking at him through the seats, in between the seats. Yeah. And then we're sh- the rest of the shot is shown from the child's perspective, which I find interesting. And I feel like there was some video essay at some point about it that I can't remember, like, the <laughs> reason behind it. I feel like some, some, one time someone explained the how that was so u- utilized well, so well. Neither, who cares at this point? <laughs> but it's a lot of the camera just switching between uh, David Dunn and this woman who sits next to him in between the seats. Yeah. Again, it feels so real. You see him. It's very intimate, too. Mm-hmm. You see him taking off his wedding ring because the girl, is he finds her attractive. They start just talking. Uh, and she's a, a sports agent. Eventually, he finds out that she's married and she leaves this leaves her seat because he makes her uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's like, what kind of scuzzy guy is this? Like how often is he removing his wedding ring? Also good on to... her. Oh yeah. But like how, <laughs> how often is he trying to hit on a girl? You yeah. it kind of goes through your mind, but he also seems very sweet, like or soft spoken, I guess is because well, he has a pretty, very an, subdued performance. Another great M night, like right away, you know, we, we know what's going on with his marriage and we haven't even seen his wife. Yes. We we get it. We already. It's like I get this guy. Yes. And and because because this movie's so character driven that 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 kind of stuff is so essential yes. to to this movie having emotional payoffs. Absolutely. And he's not a perfect person, like you just yeah. said. He doesn't have a perfect life. Um, now in Glass. So I guess I guess I am gonna spoil some stuff. So you know I hope you've seen these movies. Um, but when we find out that Kevin's dad was on that train. Um, did we see him or was it just like footage that didn't show Kevin's dad? Like in, oh, like in glass when they do a flashback to a person, yeah. we do see other people on the train. I don't recognize any of them as from glass. So I kind of feel like that was just inserted because it was, okay. it would be more convenient. I don't have an issue with it. That happens no, no, no. in comic books. Oh, all no, the time. no. I think no, that's no, one of the saying, coolest I think things. I can see people being like, oh, of course. Yeah. But I just when they turn the camera at one point and it looks at it looks at a guy who's wearing glasses, I was like, is that Kevin's dad? May- I like kind of remember that. But I might be we'll we'll find out well, in I a couple of days he, when we like, watch glass. Of course we know that he had always wanted to make a sequel, but I don't think he knew had that character. I mean He didn't. He definitely he, did. Yeah. So therefore, no, he's not in the train, if that makes sense. Yeah. But if you want to for fun, yes, that guy is his dad. Well, I'm just wondering if he reused some footage. I don't remember that part. Okay. I feel but, like well, they made it pretty obvious in glass when they do the flashback. Yeah. Rather than just cutting to that guy again, yeah. if that makes sense. Well, let's just keep our eyes peeled for that. Yeah. Um, when we get there. So 
what what I like during their conversation to David and this woman is uh, the the train is just you can you can tell that it's picking up speed as they're talking yeah. like the lights are flickering a lot they're not on a subway they're on a train mm-hmm. and um by the time she leaves he's noticing that the train is moving really fast yeah and we finally get some cuts to some other people on the train who are also noticing this and then it's too late yeah for anything train crashes everyone dies except but so two after people. do we immediately go to the hospital or so do we what, cut we, to what we see is we see Joseph, and yes, he's he's right. at home and he sees this train, and again it's just a great shot. He runs into the other room yeah. and it says there's a post note that says Dad four twenty two East Rail one seven seven, and he connects the dots. Then we go to the hospital. Now this is a nice like like you were saying panels within panels. Uh-huh. So <laughs> in the background we have David Dunn waking up from this horrible train accident, sitting up. Not even hooked up to anything. No. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. yeah, he has no like IV or anything. Yeah. And this doctor starts being like, "Where were you sitting on the train? What did you?" He's asking him all these questions because he's confused why he's alive. Uh huh. And then in the foreground, uh, kind of blurry, you can see that there's a body at the bottom of your screen, and they're operating on it. And you can hear the doot, doot, and it's kind of picking. And up every speed. once in a while, it's like the chest of the body like hitches. Yeah. And then, um, and then eventually the doctor says, well, the reason I'm asking you these questions is for two reasons. One, you were in this crazy accident and you don't even have a scratch on your body. Two, there are two survivors and it looks like we're about to lose the second one. Yeah. And as he's saying that blood starts starts coming out, spotting on that person. Yes. And like at that point, when that starts happening, the camera starts, um, zooming in very slowly because I don't, the camera technically panning, is that what it's called? (laughs) It does that a lot in this movie where it'll be like sitting in one spot for so long. And then once we're getting that dawn of realization, then the camera pans. Yeah. Oh yeah. It is matched up with the realizations that he has. Yeah. Right. Uh, Yeah. So David, when he huh. walks out, this is like, how is everyone not bawling their eyes out in the theater at this point? Because he leaves the the to the waiting room where there are dozens of people there waiting to hear if their family member is dead or not. And he's which the they only find out survivor. they are dead. So he's trying to see if his family came at all. Of course, Robin Wright, uh, and well, I don't want to know her character's name. And Joseph are there and okay her name is audrey but when so the son notices him first and he just that the kid is just an incredible actor he really knows how to direct kids also the casting is always really good for him too i think with children because he uses a lot of children in his movies and they're always so amazing except the visit (laughs) but that's maybe more personal preference yeah well that kid's a really good actor yeah, it's a very it's not a good not well written. I don't well think it's written, written well. Yeah, yeah but yeah. that kid is in Wildlife. He's oh, an incredible that's actor. That's the same kid. Yeah. Oh yeah, he does have the chops. So I think it's just the writing. It's just always. Here's the thing. Side note. Yeah. If you're ever directing a movie, and you feel the need to have someone rap, it's just always going to be a tough sell. It's always uncomfortable. Yeah. When when they're when they're not a, a good rapper, is should I say? So because yeah. he's a kid. I mean, I love movies that have rap in them, but no, yeah, we're not saying <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, no, but when he, he's like a kid and he's you know 
10 or something, and he's like, hey, guess what? One of my hobbies is I can rap. And then he raps, and you're like, oh, yeah. I hate looking at this. It's just, it just feels uncomfortable for some reason. Yeah. But he's he got Abigail Breslin. That's right. And signs. And great Kier- child actress. No, not Kieran. Uh, Rory. 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 In the same movie? Signs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. their brother and sister. Um, I just couldn't remember if that was yeah. the same one. But Which is, that's another movie. And I think, again, I think The Village and that movie, people are starting to change their opinions on them. And Good. Joaquin's in The Village, too, right? Yeah. Okay. Because both of those movies Flap. are pretty good. And yeah. by pretty good, I mean... Signs is like borderline masterpiece, and Village I wouldn't quite put in masterpiece, but it's great. Signs was very highly regarded. I I I think like critically, not so much. Mm. I think audience wise, everybody kind of liked it, but I think critically, people weren't as into it. The for the Village, I mean, say what you will, you can say you that the twist is so stupid because it's so crazy. I love it. It's pretty cool. It's amazing. (laughs) Anyway, so. That, and this moment is when we see further him and his wife like don't really have a relationship, mm-hmm. but you know that it's his wife. Yeah. The, the even showing the son making them hold hands like we are a happy family, we're walking out of here a family. Yeah, and they can't even hold hands. Like, okay, this is not good. <sighs> so then I think we cut to Elijah, shown through a reflection of a TV screen as a child, as a child with a broken arm. Yeah. With his mother talking to him, like, you cannot be scared to live your life. Because if you, she's like, this is the moment where if you decide to be scared, you're going to be scared for the rest of your life. And she makes him go outside to a playground because she gave him a gift. Uh Uh-huh. And what is that gift? A comic book. It's a comic book. Another wild, wild shot is when he opens the Uh, box (laughs) and the comic book is upside down and he turns the comic book so that he can read it and the camera s- turns with him and it's like the world makes sense. His world is no longer upside down. Yeah. And Crazy. also something to mention is throughout this movie, there is a, there is a comic book for, or from, I think it's a real comic from action comics. And there's a character on it named like the Jangaroo or Jaguaro some, or something. Jaguaro. But he looks like kind of a beast. Mm-hmm character and if you know anything about split there's a villain who becomes the beast and i think that when you i don't think that was an intentional thing but i think as he was writing split he kind of was like oh i can play on this idea fun foreshadowing yeah very fun foreshadowing yeah because the whole the whole idea that elijah has is these comic books are like are like our last link to mythology and of course they've been commodified commoditized and and made for profit and stuff but i think commercialized commercialized there may be people that that these these stories are really about like where would these originate if not from reality to some extent and and he needs that to be true for himself because of his condition he was born with this bone disorder where he has very low density in his bones basically they're brittle and they break like paper you know they're just like paper um that week yeah and he needs these things to be real because he he finds himself so far on one spectrum there has to be someone on the other extreme yeah because he considers himself in in the another extreme spectrum which as far as like bringing a reality to the comic book and superhero 
Like when he says that, there must be an opposite of me. I'm like, oh, I basically now believe in superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that totally That's tracks all I for need. me. Um, yeah. Also, when his mom gives him the comic book, she says, they say this one has a surprise ending. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's M. Night calling a shot, and apparently everyone was like, no, no, no. But when you watch it now, you're like, yeah, yes, you yes. called your shot. That, <laughs> yeah. that rules. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, well, actually, I think a little before that, Bruce Willis goes to the the wake for everyone that died. Mm-hmm. And then he sees this card on his car that says limited edition. And in very comic booky narration or speaking Script. font, he opens up. And it says, how many days in your life have you been sick? Mm-hmm. Now, this is another thing. All the sick talk in this movie, it's like, okay, this is probably someone that exists in the real world. Yeah. Like, it is just such a realistic thought. And it's so simple to go, you know, if Superman was on Earth and you wanted to find him, like, maybe you'd look for, maybe you would look for the lone what's, survivor what's crazy in crazy too with David's character is so amazing is you, throughout the movie, and he even says that something has always felt off and wrong about him. Therefore, it has affected his relationships with people, especially of his wife and his son. Why his, him and his wife are on the brink of divorce because he's always distanced himself from people. And it's yeah. always been because he feels like he has not been adequate or as if he's not doing the right thing. And he he's not enough in any way. And throughout the movie, Elijah is trying to convince him that he is more above and beyond to the point of you're like a god. You know, like mm-hmm. like you have a calling, a supreme divine calling. And I think like being the protagonist and all that, you know, I think a lot of people feel that way where they go through life feeling like, they're, they're lost, they're aimless, they're not in the right place, and they can't, like, how do you find it? Well, a lot of it is just having faith in who you are, mm-hmm. base level. I love it. Yeah, so you're right. So it's just like a really kind of poetic theme as well of, of his journey as a character. See, don't you love it when there's a movie that's this good and I can have some stuff to contribute, and you can have con- some stuff c- to contribute, and I didn't even think about the stuff you're talking about, and you didn't <laughs> even think about the stuff I talked about, and we can just learn about it and just keep talking about how good it is. <laughs> I love this Meanwhile, movie. everyone has lost interest. Oh, no. This is going to be... I'm just kidding. This is going to be the 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 our greatest episode to date. I think I say that every time yeah. you, you make a joke like that. Um. So... Uh, the, 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 and, and speaking back to the mythology and having these links and realistic stuff, I mean, this, re- this story actually reminds me a lot of Stephen King. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because we talk about this all the time. Jordan and I love Stephen King. We're both slowly but surely, you f- much faster than me, reading everything he's written. And he, he'll take something that's so... I got the master of suspense. <laughs> yeah. He'll take something that you go... You know, something as simple as a monster under your bed. Every kid thinks that, you know. But then he he'll go, but what if what if somewhere in the world there actually is a monster under the bed? And when you're reading it, you just go, yeah, this is real. Like Pennywise has to be in a town somewhere mm-hmm. feasting on fears. Mm-hmm. Like it only by the time you finish one of his books and by the time you finish this movie, it's like it's illogical to think that this isn't what's happening. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they take just just enough, and then they twist it just enough. Uh-huh. And that's, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Um, so there's this great, this is my favorite Robert, Robin, 
Robin what? <laughs> Robin, Robin Wright, Wright scene. She so so her and David are sleeping in separate rooms. Um and she knocks on the door and she says, "Hey, I this is not going to affect anything, but I I I just have two questions for you. It's the middle of the night, you know." Mm. And and again, this is not going to affect anything. It's not going to She keeps saying that that it's not going to affect how she feels. It's just like Oh my gosh. This this is like the most realistic dialogue and also the most realistic acting. Uh-huh. Although fortunately, I've never been in this situation. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but um and she goes, "Have you ever been with anyone else?" And he pauses for a little bit and then he says, "No." And I, I believe him. Um I don't think the movie's trying to make you think he doesn't, but it sounds like he's flirted with other people. But he also seems like someone who couldn't he probably couldn't go through with it. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, and so, and she just immediately like, she's breaks down. Sad, but she's happy and she's crying, but she's trying not to be. And she's like, you know, I already said this won't affect me. See, but she, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And then she says, um, "Wait, you're skipping ahead a lot." Oh, this is in the notes. Well, but before the all of this, he's asking her how many days he's been sick. He does. Oh, he does right. some. He you're does right. some research on. If he's ever actually been sick. So he asks her and she can't remember, but she's also like, I'm really tired. So that's probably just that. You're and, right. You're right. And he, but he cannot remember. And he even goes, when he goes to work, he asks his boss, well, how many sick days have I taken? And his boss's response is, I get it. You want to raise. You haven't taken a sick day <laughs> yeah. in the last five years you've worked here. I get it. Um, so he learns that he's never p- potentially have, has never been sick. Yeah. And and then he does visit Glass. Yes. Uh, but I we kind of talked about everything that happens in that scene without mentioning that he went there. Yeah. And and that in that moment, David's kind of like, "This guy's a crackpot. I'm not listening to this person. He's crazy. He yeah. He's, yeah. He believes in comic books way too much." Um. And then is that kind of like where we go? I think we maybe get to this scene then. Yeah. Then we're yeah. at that. And and then so then Robin Wright goes through all that stuff, and then she says. I, I I do would I would like to start new. I mean, when when you go through something like you did with this train, mm-hmm. it puts things into perspective. So if you would like to take me out on a date sometime, I would like that. Yeah. And he doesn't say a word. The only word he says in this whole exchange is no to her uh-huh. asking if he's been with anyone. And I, then, I'm assuming it's shock. Yeah. Because I think that you could get a very clear sense that both of them have just given up at this point and they can't really figure out how to get past, like what to do next. We do know he was on a train to interview for a new job yeah in new york so the other so like pretty much they're about to just be done oh yeah yeah um man it's so good so yes all of that happens and then um uh, elijah goes to david dunn who's working at the stadium as security and he's he's bringing up questions like well if if you haven't been sick, if you haven't been hurt, um, why would you choose a job where you're protecting, protecting people? people? He's like, you could have, you could have done anything. You could have been a restaurant person. You could have been this kind of person. Ten thousand reasons for any other kind of job, but you chose this. Yeah. Like, don't you think you have some kind of innate desire to protect people? To which David's like, I don't know. Yeah, and and then um, he's also talking about. Um, well, no, wait. What? What is a? Uh, yeah. So, so he also 
is like while he's doing that he's talking to him and he's walking through this line and he mentions that someone looks suspicious they'll start doing pat downs they'll start doing pat downs and elijah says why did you say this guy had a pat down and he said well i did see in my mind's eye that he had a silver gun with a hand like a black handle in his which is so specific yeah it's so specific and then that guy before he gets pat down he just takes off yeah and then elijah starts following him and he he has so much want and desire for this to be true that he breaks most of the bones on his body is falling downstairs and it's crazy but what's what's so crazy about that moment is so he breaks so many of his bones but he does see that the guy has a a silver gun with a black handle and the look on his face is oh my gosh not crying out in (laughs) pain he is in awe yeah that he that this is probably true also the wig work for him i mean it's always on point because he's got he uses the same wig person for every movie yeah he has a wig person yeah um, and they, they, uh, they tried to form him after, um, ah, it's a very famous Frederick Douglass. That's it. That is the one. Um, yeah. So they, they based him off of him. I don't, I don't need, on. Uh, yeah, that, that, that wig kind of, kind of on him. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did just find out that, uh, M night did have a originally, originally with this movie he was gonna have um david dunn face off with kevin crumble or kevin wendell crumble in this movie so so yeah that would have been like the climax have an idea for a character yeah and that guy was like stealing teenage girls and that was gonna be like the villain and then he was like hold on park the brakes i got way too much character things to explore but but i did find this thing and and M, it's M Knight's cool with it. He's like, yeah, that that counts. That um, that guy when he runs into um the woman at the end of the movie and she's like yelling at her son yes. that the son is Kevin. Yeah, okay, that that's fine with me. Split. Yeah, um, that's fine I with mean, M Knight. That's fine with me. He definitely didn't plan for that because in in this original script he was going to have Kevin as an adult fighting him in this movie, but you know, okay, that's kind of a fun thing. Um, so he didn't because then we wouldn't have gotten two other movies. I know. Um, so now should we skip to M Night is in this movie? Yeah. And well, hold on. So he uh brushes that guy and he he sees a gun in his mind, and Elijah suggests to cultivate that skill, develop it. Huh? He actually doesn't brush him, but. He touches him. He just... I don't think he touches the He has the to gun touch guy. people to know that they're maybe not great. I just don't remember him touching the gun guy. I do. I, I, okay. Like, All right. Like, when you walk by someone and you brush past him. You're right. I'm sorry. Let, let him touch him, okay? <laughs> and he suggests that, uh, that he should develop the skill. So, he uh, is at his job. David's at his job. And he lets people brush by him. And he, one person brushes by him and he sees this person dealing drugs mm-hmm. and it's M night, which if you don't know this, he likes to appear in all of his movies if he yeah. can. Now this to him. So he then goes up to M night and he pats him down and he finds no drugs. And what's kind of 
interesting, and I like it. He's he just lets he lets you figure it out yourself. They never go back to that or explain why he didn't have drugs. Yeah. Um, but I think what you should glean from that is that he doesn't necessarily he didn't necessarily like when he has a vision, it wasn't necessarily like something that just happened. It yes. could have happened a long time ago. I don't know he, if it, it can like, be future. Well, he hasn't because it has just now been suggested to him that he should develop it, which see this that means he is just now thinking about how it works. Mm-hmm. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so this to him convinces him that he doesn't have any power because he was wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think when you finish the movie, it seems like with the murderer at the end, the guy in the orange jumpsuit, um, that had maybe happened many, many hours before, days before, probably. So that makes me think that this just means this M Night character has been doing this consistently in the in the world. Yeah. I like to think of it as when he gets a vision of someone, it's like base level shows him that they're a bad person. Mm-hmm. They're guilty of something, but the the win is not sh- we're not sure about. Yeah, it's just that we know that they're bad. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, the the he'll he'll pay off that character in the in glass in kind of a over the top way, but you go whatever you earned it. Oh, the, I don't remember. He does. So cool. He's because he's in the other oh, two movies. Oh, when he walks into a security thing and he talks about like yeah, okay, his <laughs> he's past. Like, you saved me from a life of drugs. <laughs> that's, that's right, <laughs> and it's like that. okay. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. It's great. Yeah, I'm happy for him to be in the movie. So then uh, David f- gets a call from the principal and he, of Joseph's school, goes there. What, but did Joseph get in an accident or did he start a fight? He started, well, I, he stopped a kid who was picking on someone else because he thought maybe he inherited these powers. Yes, and previous to this, there was a, a scene of Joseph, at, well, of David lifting weights and Joseph is present and Joseph keeps adding weights or he adds weights and does not tell his dad. Oh, yeah, I didn't mean to skip um, that. Basically, they discover he can lift crazy amounts of weight. He lifts up to, like, around 350 pounds. The score, come on. So Joseph's it, acting the kid's in that incredible. scene I'm is so crazy. happy. Well, whatever. Anyway. I know what you're going to so, say, but you have to listen to our episode on Glass to hear it. Yeah, but so his son is just a childlike wonder, too. It's just so convinced his dad's a superhero. Like that's and, also he was present when he first met Elijah, so it's like maybe my dad is a superhero. Okay, so a couple of things. One, like every kid has that. Like I bet my dad could beat up your dad. Exactly. So that kid literally said that to him in the waiting yeah, room. Yeah. Which I imagine was probably used as a joke in a trailer, as like <laughs> yeah. the last thing before yeah. it said what it was rated. And then so there's that. And then I think also what 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 it gets into is is just this 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 payoff. That will get in glass when he's working for his dad and helping him. He's like the guy at the computer with the superhero. And just that whole idea of you you want your dad to be this person you always look up to and this perfect person. But if you could help him too. And yeah. you he know, to be you know, a part to, of it. To have the fantasy that your dad is a superhero is in itself, that's like a fantasy, even like maybe one notch below me being a superhero sure yeah know? yeah of course i mean especially at that age your dad is the the coolest person to you and and they do show they reveal it well that um 
you know, there's there's a moment where David even says, like, Joseph, we were just, be- this is right after this, but, like, we were just starting to become friends. Like, so clearly he's always felt, like, he, not very distant from his son. Yeah. When he's at the principal's office, he even says, like, this is kind of Audrey's thing, his yeah. wife. And she's like, what, the school thing? And he said, the Joseph thing. And it's like, okay, oh, he's yeah. been, like, pretty absent a lot more than we even know. Yeah during this so but he learned some very vital information in this yeah so one he got hurt well he learned this earlier but he got hurt when he was in high school and he was in a car accident with audrey Mm -hmm. and then two college college um two he learns in this scene that he had forgotten that as a child he almost drowned in a pool at the school and they had to change the rules Mm -hmm. and stuff and she says we kind of let the kids even rumor about the kid dying because it prevents them from being unsafe. At okay, the pool. I, I couldn't like totally understand. Oh yeah, what that's she what saying. she said. Okay, because um, it sounded like she said a kid died, but then I was like, but no, I thought it was him. No, so no, I just yeah. missed like a word. Yeah, in she, that. Okay. it's just the kids will say like some kid died here, yeah. and the teachers don't correct them because yeah. it gets. Oh my to gosh, when she starts talking about it, and Bruce Willis just like his kind of shuts te- down, tearing up, yeah, hardcore. Oh my gosh, that is crazy. Well, and there is such a fine line between Bruce Willis phoning in a performance and being subtle. Oh, he's being subtle. But he he's so good in this movie. Uh-huh. But he, you know, he's someone who for the past 20 years, people who love Bruce Willis are like, "Man, I just wish I just wish you'd do good work again, buddy." Instead of getting paid like a million dollars a day to be in some movie that's like basically so that a billionaire can keep uh, you know their Russian account open or something uh, like yeah, that. Like yeah. these movies that just don't even exist. Um, so good in this. He is. Um, so then next scene, Joseph finds David's gun and he goes to the table. It's all one shot, and we're pan- we're going back and forth from Robin Wright to Bruce Willis to his son, and he's saying, "You don't believe, but if I shoot you right now, you'll believe because you won't die." And I love how he handles it. It feels like he he's forced to actually be a parent. Yeah, and and Robin at this or Audrey at this point, she has also met Elijah because um, she's a physical therapist. Yeah, and he told her everything that he has told David, which is like super creepy. That he sought out his wife to talk to him about talk to her about just this really weird stuff. You know, it's just not yeah. that's not appropriate. Yeah, and but but she's in she's a part of this, and. So what with Joseph doing what he's doing, she's understanding why. I, I just like that they he put put that in the story as well because I feel like a lot of the times it's like she's just now finding all this out and that's gonna tarnish their relationship yeah. and they were just starting to get it back. You know, it's like it, you know, it, does, she's it feels scared. less romantic comedy. Sure, in, yeah, it's like you could have just told me. Yeah, but anyway, so she yeah he he starts um, David starts like yelling like an angry parent and he's like i'm gonna be mad at you if you, you're gonna move. be in big trouble buddy and i think <laughs> buddy, buddy. I, buddy. <laughs> I thought it was very interesting too where he said okay yeah shoot me and it, i will live but i'm leaving you that's interesting yeah. uh like reverse psychology <laughs> yeah. or something almost like using on his kid like interesting parenting and um it, it is funny though that he he has been obviously an absent parent, and the moment he starts parenting is at gunpoint. <laughs> <laughs> that it took it took gunpoint yeah. to get him to start parenting. That's not great, but um, yeah, he gets Joseph to put down the gun. Yes, and I also really liked it too when they were leaving the school, and his son is talking to his son about 
it. And he's just like, Joseph, you need to knock it off. I'm not special. I'm not, I'm just a normal guy. And his son's just crying and he's like, but you are. Yeah. And the scene just ends. Yeah. Ugh. The son wants it. Yeah. You know? Uh, so then uh, Robin Wright and Bruce Willis go to dinner. And there was this thing, and I don't know if, I, I, I maybe would have noticed it, but probably not. So David Dunn, when we see him, it's very cold and blue colors. And as the movie progresses, it gets warmer and warmer, more yellow, more orange. Wow. More green, too, that. obviously. But like the actual lighting on him. Okay. And in this scene, especially at the dinner table, it's very warm. Uh-huh. It's a nice restaurant. It's it's not like a dark restaurant. It's very like bright and open as they're relearning each other. They're, and they're talking about their favorite other. colors. Like they're from base level. That's their relationship, which is yeah. very sweet. Now, the other thing is when we first meet Elijah, he's more warm and the colors are orange and mm -hmm. stuff like that, in addition to purple, of course. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the movie, he is shot in like frigid blue color mm -hmm. as he's losing his humanity. The other is gaining their humanity. Oh my gosh. Movies are so cool. <laughs> well, and, and that's, that is, that are those touches that take a movie from, you know, this is just, you know, this a, a, a Netflix movie? original movie of the week to this is a, like a masterpiece. An artist made this. Yeah. You so. Know? This is another shot where we start very far back. We're seeing everything, like other diners at the restaurant. And yeah. then it's, at some point when, when Audrey says, do you know that you're, you're an absent person? Then the camera starts panning in. And, and David is saying like, you know, like, we're not, come on. Like, this is supposed to be fun. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, this isn't part of the game. She's like, but this is part of the game. Do you know that you're an absent person? And that you hold us at a distance? Like... Oh, it's just so good. <laughs> and while that's happening, we're cutting to Elijah. And this is when yes. the colors on him are getting, it's like they're at their peak cool for him and they're at the peak warm for uh -huh. Bruce. And uh -huh. so cutting back and forth, your eyes are like, whoa. Yeah. And he's at this comic book shop and he's just sitting there completely blank stared, like catatonic. Why Why does he like that? Well, I think he's just upset at, at what's going on. And he heard his wife told him, um, Audrey told him, like, no, we were in an accident in high school. And then, so he's starting to potentially doubt that he, uh, yeah. And and David told him, I was, I was sick. I almost died of pneumonia. I wonder, too, if part of that catatonia kind of thing is him realizing if he is wrong, how many people have died. Oh, I never even reason. thought about like, that. Like, Probably. that's starting to get to him, maybe. Yeah. Or, or he's thinking, like, I got to go kill a bunch of people again. Start from square one. I thought I had him. Yeah. So he's sitting there catatonic. The comic book shop owner's like, dude, get out of here. And he's pushing his wheelchair around and and Elijah's making it crash. Kind of throwing a fit. I would characterize yeah. it. And then a comic book falls on his lap and he holds it up and he says, I'll take this one. And then we see a message machine. Now, Wait, what this... was the comic book again? Do you remember? I don't remember what it was, but I'm going to talk about what's in it because he mentions that. Yes. Okay. So in this, <laughs> this, so another thing for this movie, they did not use a sound library, which is very common in movies when you're getting ready to put all your sound in like him falling down, you'll just load up, you know, glass breaking and include it. M. Night was like, no, sound guy, let's make our own sound. What sounds. does that mean? So that means- Like footsteps? That means you're not going to hear like the Wilhelm scream in this because all the sounds in this movie 
from like background noise to footsteps, all that were made for this movie. Why? They just wanted it to be something that not even subconsciously you would connect with other movies. That's wild. Yeah, and, and it is funny. It's it's hard to catch, but sometimes, sometimes, and I think it's more like people in the industry notice this kind of stuff. Um, I don't know that I've really noticed except for... The Wilhelm scream and the cat noise. Yeah, but but there are stuff, you know, like cat noises where you go, yeah, that I've heard that in a thousand movies and TV, mm. but instead recording a new cat doing it yeah. and getting a new sound. So this whole movie has a completely different sound library. They made their own. But this is all leading up to, they just took a lot of effort on the sound. So David and his wife get home, and there's a message on the message machine. And they click it, and it's Elijah. And this, see, it's subtle, but it starts off, and it's that muffled message machine thing, sound. And he says, I got this comic book issue. And in it, there is the coalition of evil. And they spend all their time finding heroes and trying to figure out what their weaknesses are. So water is your weakness. It's your kryptonite. And as he's saying this, the sound is getting clearer and clearer until he says the line, you hearing me, David? And it's crystal clear as if Michael or Michael <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson is in the, the same room as him. Mm-hmm. That is, that's another like color touch where you're just mm-hmm. like, that's an artist who made mm-hmm. this. Now, another thing I want to say, so he mentions the secret coalition and how they find superheroes mm-hmm. and they try to bring them down. Is that not a perfect tee-up for the twist in glass when you find out? I thought we weren't doing twists. Well, Shut it. No, I, I just have to say it because I might forget in that episode. You're not going to forget. Well, the secret coalition, okay? Don't let me forget, and audience. And I didn't forget about it. That's all you're trying to say. It's cool. So then we have the flashback to the car accident. I talked a lot. Please take over. And so flashbacks right after that, like he's remembering it? In this scene, somewhere around here. Yeah, I guess we're taken back in time to the car accident. And it's, um, Bruce is totally fine, but Audrey is still in the car and he pries her out of the car, like in human strength, pries her out. Um, And she's injured. And the person is asking him if he's injured. And he doesn't really answer, but it's just like, no, he was not injured. Because earlier in the movie... But it looks like he's about to say yes. Well, I think he does, because earlier in the movie, Elijah just is like, there's no way you were injured in that. You chose love in that moment. In that moment, because he's like... He said, like, you know, a career in football, which he would have had, is, you know, a moment. But love is forever. So he chose love, because earlier we also learned that... Audrey was not interested in being with him if he wanted to do football professionally. Cause that's mm. just, that was, she was just not interested in that lifestyle. Um, but David chose that, chose her over that. And that he doesn't even feel resent, doesn't even seem resentful for it. And I think a no. big part of it is because it, like he even knows that football wasn't everything to him. Like it didn't answer why he still felt weird. Right, Therefore, right. he chose love, and it's as if that only lasted so long for him. Uh, eventually, it does come back, you uh-huh. know, but that's the flashback. That's the flashback. Very important flashback. And then um, then now he's like, so in his brain, he's pretty convinced. So he he talks to Elijah, and Elijah says, well, now you need to go somewhere and test your abilities, basically. And then we get the sweet, sweet theme song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and 
That was a va- bad impersonation. And folks, I don't I don't think I'm going to have a fun a fun song to put on this episode, so I'm sorry. I just haven't thought of anything and I That's okay, man. I want to make sure they're I mean, they're not the the greatest things in the world, but I want them to be fun and and kind of cool. Yeah. Kind of like, "Really? He did that Batman theme? That's kind of fun." But uh, I don't know if I'll have one for this, but I still might try something. It'd be fun to just I'll well, try. Well, they they already know. That's true. They would know by now. Um so he's in the station and he's touching people and um as he is he's having flashes of them doing bad and he's seeing some a couple people who it's like okay maybe he needs to pursue this person and then this man in an orange jumpsuit taps him and he sees the man walk up to this home and knock on the door wait just remind me because there was one person the guy in plaid like yellow Uh do you remember what he did I believe he um, raped a girl. No, that was the college kid. Yeah. There was a guy before the college kid. Oh, um, oh, he he drove by someone and like, like hit oh, them. Oh, did a hate crime. With, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And he had like a bottle and yeah. hit someone okay. on the side I just of the street. I just couldn't remember. Yeah. So you're kind of like, oh, maybe he's going to get this guy. But then he sees that this guy in the orange jumpsuit, again, cool. It's It's a color. It's mm-hmm. like the others and all of them have really bright colors mm-hmm. so you're kind of like it could be any of these because mm-hmm. villains have colors so the guy goes up to the suburban home knocks on the door the dad answered and he goes i like your home can i see it and the guy's like no uh. and then it shows him like shoot the dad yeah and then go inside the house and that's what he sees and then bruce knows Follows him home yeah to and this he's house. following him and of course it's raining hard mm-hmm and it's that great cinematic rain. And he's Come wearing on. That, that poncho that's like his uniform. And a, and a great thing about the poncho for the for you you trivia fans out there is the costume designer. She even said, and I was looking and I couldn't really notice. I couldn't really notice any difference. But she said throughout this sequence, they the, the, the actual sequence. Yes. Okay. Keep going. Yeah, it's not the movie. It's like this scene. Oh um okay his, his poncho becomes less poncho and more cape slash superhero oh pretty cool but she even said it's so subtle you wouldn't notice yeah it's yeah, supposed yeah. to just like let your it's mind subco- know that it's he's subliminal. heroic yeah yeah, yeah subliminal. I mean, he, he dons the cape literally yeah. he's donning the yeah. cape in this sequence yeah so he goes in and um it's a pretty tense sequence. It is terrifying because M Night is the master is a master of suspense. So it has an even extra edge of terrifying to me. All of his movies do that, yeah. that have any element of creepy. Um, they make him. He just makes it a little too real. Well, it's it's really weird because this scene, like the very first shot in this movie, I always remember that it's more graphic than it is. Yeah, and, and the but same it's all thing the power like, of suggestion. Pretty much split. I always think of that movie as like, how did that get away with a PG thirteen? And then I watch it, and I'm like, oh, it feels R, but it is a it is a PG thirteen. It's all power movie. of suggestion. I mean, in, in split, yeah. he's eating somebody, but we don't see it. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just inferred that he might be. Now that you mention that, is he our favorite cannibal instead of Hannibal? Well, we'll have to deliberate in the next episode. <laughs> so he is walking through the house and he f- sees the dead father in the basement. He goes up to the children's room and finds the children tied up in the bathroom, mm-hmm. unties them, goes to the master bedroom, finds the mom, um, is still trying to find the guy. The guy ambushes him and pushes him off the balcony and into the pool. Uh-oh, that's a lot of water. Yeah. So he's drowning, but the kids save him. Which is cool because I 
I never remember who saves him, and I'm going, did Elijah follow him? I don't really get how he would have thought to follow him. I couldn't remember either. I thought, like, the the bad guy was trying to push him down with the pole, and then he was going to grab it and, like, pull himself up. Yeah. But it was the kids. It was the kids every time. But the kids get out there, and then he goes upstairs, and he he puts him in this chokehold, and it's just one shot. Um, would have been probably a nightmare to shoot that scene over oh and over gosh, and over again. Oh my gosh, I kept thinking about the stunt per- people <sighs> like that. They probably they definitely got bruises from that. Yeah, but I, that look, I that was Bruce in that scene. You think so? Yeah, no, we like oh, saw his face. He got bruises. He's and, he's denting the walls. Yeah, that's and, how big of a or heavy or strong yeah. of a person he is. And then um, the the score is unreal in mm. this section. Of course, I can't describe it. You have to just watch it, but it's it's just crazy. It's like, it's just an emotional t- score of the movie. Yeah, because because like we said earlier, this is a man who did not know, did not feel like he had a place in this world, and he we are watching him discovering his place in the world. Yeah, and I want to mention before we continue this part, when he was at dinner with Audrey, she said she asked him, "When did you think that we wouldn't make it?" And oh. he answered. I had a bad dream one night and I didn't want to wake you up so you could tell me it was okay. Back to this scene. So he strangles the guy. Everyone's safe. He unties the mom. The mom is dead. I always find it interesting that the mom is dead. Yeah. I all, I wonder if it's just, he's just trying to make, continue to make this movie feel very realistic. Yeah. As if like, he almost wants you to forget that there are superheroes at play. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Yeah. Um, because he didn't have to do that, but yeah. he did. Um, so he goes home after this, after the kids are saved and the bad guy is vanquished and he lifts his wife into bed with him and the, that the, shot, the shot, it looks like she's floating. Yeah. It's, up the stairs it's and so she's great. just looking at him like he's a, the person she married. And he just, uh, snuggles her and says, I had a bad dream. And I just want to cry. <laughs> and she tells him it's going to be okay. How did people not like this movie when it came out? I don't know. It's so good. It hits everything you need in a movie. I know. And then to further make the, the all this, this is the best scene. This is emotional. The best scene. So it's the next morning. Parents, they're they're up and they're making French toast, and you can tell that the spark is back. They are and loving. I think Joseph sees that. Yes, the when kid he comes, comes in and he has this look like, what's happening? But he just sits down quietly. Mom starts making a breakfast and um, David passes the paper, slides the paper very quietly to his son. And he's like, read the paper. And there's a sketch of Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. figure who saved these two kids. A comic book sketch, really. Yes. Which is very obvious. Yeah. But fun, fun, obvious. So cool. And the kid reads the headline, looks at his dad. And his dad just nods. I'm getting chills. And the kid is just crying. And I'm like, I want to have crying too. And, and he does that like palm wipe on his Yeah, but, but David just holds the finger up like, like, don't tell mom. Yeah. This is just between you and me. And the kid is just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Which just sets up perfectly glass. Oh my gosh. It is so emotional. It's so, so good. Yeah. And, and by then you're like, well, okay, so the movie's over. No, 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 no. We've just had the whipped cream. There's the ice cream, there's some M&M's, whatever other toppings you want, we have the whipped cream, but there's one missing ingredient, and that's that cherry on top. Yep. And and this movie's going on for a while, and I, you know, I think, it, like, let's say you've never seen this movie, and you've seen Marvel, and you're just now watching this movie, you probably, you are conditioned to think, 
was that really the big showdown? We didn't even know who the bad guy was. Yeah. I can totally see people feeling that way. But so, you know, it's like the movie has to be almost over, right? Yeah. And you're right. It is. So it goes to the art gallery, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. And and we see the mother of Elijah Price. We see the mother. And what does she say? Aged up. And she's saying, like, I'm so proud of my son and stuff. And and she's talking about... She talks about some mythology she of takes, superheroes. Well, she, this is what she says. One, she takes pride in her son's work, which is oh, very I remember sweet. what she says. But, but she's... They're looking at a specific piece of art, and she's talking about the eyes of the villain. Like, the yeah. eyes are, like, they're a certain way. Large. They're large. They're large. Thank yeah. you. Um, well, so why are they large? So it, she's saying that it that that it 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 shows that the the character is like out of place or or yeah. something like that. Maybe he knows too much, or she says something to that degree, well, which leads her to say, yeah, 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 that um, you know, Elijah always talks about how you know the there are the brawny villains, the ones you fight and stuff, and she goes, but the arch nemesis are always the ones that beat them with their brain. Yeah, she sets that up, and you're like, okay, cool, whatever. And then David goes into the back and he's talking to Elijah. And Elijah says, well, it's like, so you did it? And David said, yeah. And he's like, and this is where we shake hands. They shake hands. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and David sees what Elijah has done. He has orchestrated these recent natural disasters. Well, these recent disasters, a hotel fire where everyone died in the fire. Uh-huh. Um, I think there was some kind of bomb or explosion in another thing. I can't remember. Over a hundred people die. He orchestrates the tr- oh a plane a plane crash plane crash yeah and then and then uh, it shows him go into the the, the train one seventy seven and he does something that causes the train crash and he said out of yeah! all of those there's only I, he's been waiting listening for one thing for a sole survivor untouched and when he heard that that happened with the train he knew he found his counterpart yep. And he says this quote that is just like so profound where he's like, the scariest thing in the world is not knowing what, what your place is. And now I know mine. And now I know mine because he found David crazy. And it was just like, can we have three more hours of this movie, please? (laughs) Just talking about this. And M night says, how about three and a half more hours of this movie? Thank you. (laughs) Um, yeah. And then, and then the one thing we were discussing last night, uh, that's interesting is that he uses like cards to say like David Dunn freeze went on yeah, yeah freeze frame cards and I just think that's that's like the only thing about the movie that's aged poorly yeah and and almost like if M Night ever said hey I'm gonna do you know the the M Night cut of the entire trilogy I would I would bet he would cut those out yeah, like the first only thing. reason I think it was kept in is to because what we know is David Dunn, what happens in his life. And then with Elijah, he was committed to a mental institution. The only reason I think is so that we know that the bad guy didn't win. Yeah. Because at this time, this was not connected to anything. This is a whole original thing. And for the, and for it to be inspired by superheroes and for them to not even win. Yeah. Even during that time, I think would not sit well with people. (laughs) Yeah. So I do understand like why he did it. And, and it's just like, it does kind of suck because we have 20 years or so until Split. And we were talking last night, if these were all made in quicker succession after each other, this would never have been in the movie. Yeah. And I would I would argue just the cards. 
That's what not, I mean. That's what I mean. Not the, the story, ending. Not the and ending. Not the plot. Just it's, the card. Perfect ending. No, it is. And and I like what happens. That, yes, definitely. Yeah. Um. It's so so. I mean, could you not tell that we love this movie? Yeah. It's so 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 good. Um. And I just love. Well, no, I, I save that for later. Yeah, it's uh, it's so good. I don't even know what else to say. It's just so good. Oh my gosh, it's just so good, like you said. Well, if you enjoy our show, um, one thing we'd ask that you do is go to www.patreon.com slash Micah McCaw. That's M-I-C-A-H-M-C-C-A-W. There's a link in the show notes. And sign up for $3 and you can get one extra episode a month and on the one extra episode a month we cover um like bonus movies that might like like uh we're gonna be doing the 1960s batman or we'll, we'll sometimes do some other ones but we also mostly cover movies that only have two sequels because as you know one sequel one sequel i'm sorry as you know in this uh show we do three or more mm-hmm. um also write a review and rate please yeah yeah write, let us know rate and write a review uh what your favorite Shyamalan movie is or why you don't think he's recovered as a filmmaker yeah, if, if you think that you're dead wrong <laughs> but you can say why and for you patrons and future patrons um i misspoke because i forgot about the lovely thing called the oscars so this month um, we will not be coming out with the Batman 1960 episode. That's going to be next month. This month, we're coming out with the Oscars 2021. Ah. Where we're going to talk about our picks and movies we like this year. So if you want to hear us talk about movies that are not connected to a franchise and just the state of the movie industry, that's only on Patreon. Um, and that's going to be a good episode. And uh, it probably is already out by now because we try to put it out the first Wednesday. So it probably came out two days ago. Um but as of right now, we still have two that we want to see before mm-hmm. before we record that episode. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for listening. Next week, we're going to talk about 2016's Split starring James McAvoy and Anya Taylor-Joy. Mm-hmm. We get to talk about her. Ooh-wee. I hope you have a seatbelt because you're going to need to strap in for that next one. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs>